0: All right, let me just get my iPad. Am I I booming just a little bit? That's good. That's good. I like a little echo. It makes me feel like I'm a DJ. All right, well, um, while we let the sound team kind of figure out what's going on with that, I think that'll be good. Uh, We're going to be picking up on our series on standing firm. Uh, And I don't know if you have one of these. Most of us have gone digital at this point, so that's fine. If you haven't heard of one of this, this is called the Bible. it's a paper-based book, that's spelled B-O-O-K, um, and I encourage you to, to have one of those. Uh, one of the things that, uh, this has nothing to do with, this, the, with uh, the preach today, but just as a, as a note, so I work in education, and one of the things you should know is that the way you read digitally is completely different than the way you read on paper. So there's a thing in your mind that we call deep reading. Uh, this is not one of those things where a bunch of people are like, mm-hmm, yeah, you, now I'm not talking like opinion, Uh, Neuroscientists and cognitive uh, behavioralists have found that the way you read on paper retains differently in your mind. So if you have an app, awesome, and don't feel uh, browbeaten or anything else, but if you have a paper Bible, it's a good thing to have, Uh, and it's a good thing to read, and you retain it better. It's a better way to memorize Scripture. So whether you're in your paper Bible this morning, or whether you are in your digital app this morning, uh, I encourage you to follow along as we go through some things. But before we go too far, I did actually want to talk, uh, kind of bring us back to where we've been in the series so far. So we began about, I think it's three weeks ago now, uh, with Vision Sunday and starting off on a launch. And Pastor Andy talked at that time about a reading plan through the book of Ephesians. So if you haven't gone through the book of Ephesians, I actually have a slide up here. Uh, We're in week four. So if you're like me, that means last night you started on week one. Um, and so you might have some catching up to do. The great thing is, is, that, is that God's timing is eternal, right? So wherever you intersect with him, he is willing and waiting to, to meet you. So I encourage you, be on week four uh, if you can, and if not, you have some catch up to do and you can, you can work on that. Um, for those of you who might not be familiar, the, the book of Ephesians is a book to the church in the city of Ephesus. This was Paul writing to an audience of new Christians. And, and kind of engaging with them in their spiritual journey. And the touchstone that we've been using through this series has been, we're saying, is stand firm. It actually comes from the very end of the book where Paul is basically saying, uh, this is the point at which we now need to, to hold in, we need to dig in, and we need to be prepared. And he gives this beautiful illustration of the armor of God. Those of us who are raised in the church will know a lot about that. And for those of us that are, are less familiar, the Roman centurions at that time were everywhere. Everyone knew the Roman army. so using this reference point of this is what a soldier looks like and this is how you stand firm would have been very familiar to them. For us, perhaps a little bit less familiar. So this idea that we've kind of been holding on to is actually just the standing and this pair of boots that's going to hold us in place. And, and it's just a beautiful picture. And I think especially today, as I've been thinking about the preach, what I, what I really wanted to start off with, what I wanted to hit you hard with, what I really hope you, you leave with today, what I hope you're blessed with and what God takes us out of this place it is that you are not supposed to do anything more than stand? I think we, we so often have this idea that we're supposed to go and do and act and push and change, and I've got to. And, and God says, No, 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 I've got a lot of work around you to do, and I just need you to stand. And we have a tendency to get knocked down, to get pushed back, to kind of walk away. And God says, No, no, you're not catching it. You don't need to go forward, you don't need to go back. I just need you to stand. So this morning, as we dig in and spend some time in the Word, I hope you are encouraged to stand firm. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, well, um, we're going to be talking uh, in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. We're looking at telling a new story today. And before we can tell a new story, it's important to know what the story is that's in front of us. So we're going to take a look at our passage today. Uh, You're welcome to read along, uh, quietly or aloud, as you feel comfortable. But I like to read, so I'm going to read for us this morning. And Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Wrath, that's a good word. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him at the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable richness of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And this is the word of the Lord for us today. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that to really frame our talk today, we want to really go back to the three isms that Andy launched with uh, on Vision Sunday. And he introduced to us three isms. He didn't call them isms. I've called them isms because I think it's a little more catchy. Um, But he talked about the big cultural narratives. And he showed us this piece of uh, this Jenga puzzle that he was working on, and we pulled out some pieces. And and the three big cultural narratives that we saw were the uh, the narrative of secularism. In other words, there there isn't any God. So there's nothing you need to to think about in that respect. It's just about you. And that leads us to expressing individualism, expressive individualism, sorry. Self is all that matters, which takes us to a third uh, narrative, which is the postmodern narrative, which is that everyone has their own truth. So there's no God. You're all that matters. Make up your own truth. And what our passage today does is it sits in stark contrast and says, no, no, that's not true at all. I am God. I created the universe. I purposed, planned, and made everything around you. I know you. I created you. And I have a plan for you. And that's really challenging for us. Because if we're not in line with that, then we're out of line with that. And if we're out of line with that, that means we either need to change Or we need to try and think differently about our actions so we we take on these different narratives so that I can justify to myself, so I can sleep at night, so I feel okay with the decisions I'm making that aren't fitting the truth. And it's a very, very difficult spot to be. I find this is kind of a hard word to share today. So as I did that, I thought I would try and make it maybe a little bit more accessible for it. So there's another way to kind of say this. And I, I thought that another way to say this and another way to look at this might be looking at the Barbie movie. I don't know if any of you have seen the Barbie movie. Has anybody seen, is anybody willing to admit that they have seen the Barbie movie? A bunch of women confidently like here, a bunch of their their partners kind of (laughs) like looking around. Um, What I found really interesting is I I was actually uh, with my boys. We did not go see the Barbie movie. We were out seeing, I don't know, the Paw Patrol's Mighty Pups, I think. I can't remember. Anyway, we we were at a different film this summer. And we came out of the film. And and as we came out of the film over here at uh, at the theater here in Feltham, um, a bunch of people were out and they were dancing and they were dressed as characters from Barbie. I'm not sure. I did not play a lot with Barbies as a child. Um, it was more G.I. Joe, which, let's be honest, it's just Barbie for boys, but that's fine. So I, I went off it and I, I came out and there's all these young ladies and, and young men dressed up in these costumes and kind of dancing and getting ready to see the movie. And I thought, well, that's, that's interesting. That's, that's kind of fun. Um, and then I found out, you might not believe this, but actually uh, we have a pastor on staff who also participated in this event. And so Pastor Dave uh, got to go and I think we'll see, we've got a photo of him on the next slide here. Uh, He actually went. Now I did reach out to Pastor Beth and I said, can I get a photo of that? And I I think that Dave is very wisely protecting himself against future blackmail for like having to wash people's cars or I don't know what. But she said, oh no, we don't don't have a photo, which I'm not sure I believe, but okay. Um, For his birthday then, I thought it only appropriate uh, about uh, two weeks ago to give him a gift because, you know, we're friends, and so I got him a birthday gift. And, and the birthday gift I got Dave was, was the, the Ken Barbie playing football because Dave's quite a footballer. Um, he thought this was pretty funny, and he put it up on his mantle, took a photo and all the rest. Um, but then Pastor Andy noted, and I, and I thought this was quite, quite interesting. Um, do you see what it says there in, in, underneath the Barbie logo? Can you read that? You can be anything. And how great does that feel, right? Like, yeah, I can be anything. Except that that's a cultural narrative and a cultural lie. It's not just telling you you can be anything because anything could be anything. You're trying to figure out your gender identity, be anything. You're trying to figure out your, your, your sexuality when you're, with your partner, your relationship, be anything. You think that you know, there's not a God, just be your own God, be anything. That's where that narrative starts. And so this, this very subtle narrative, which I hadn't noticed. I thought I was giving a funny gift to my friend, and then I, I, I got that from Eddie, and I was like, oh, I, I messed up. I'm, I blew it. You know, it's like, I should have stripped that logo off, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. Now, it would be silly if it was just that, right? So, so let's, let's go a little bit bigger than this. Uh, this is Adam Grant. I don't know if you know, a behavioral uh, cognitive researcher, uh, an organizational psychologist at a university in the United States called Wharton. Um, he has, and I don't know if you can see, but he has more than five million followers and LinkedIn identifies him as a top voice wouldn't that be great I like, yes, I'm a top voice well as I was as I was preparing for the talk actually uh, this this came out actually last night so I was like oh I have to put this in this is so good because it came through my feed and I saw because I, I follow him and I like some of the things he has to say he has some really interesting ideas but he said this he said the core question of identity is not who others think you should be it's who you aspire to be all that matters is what I want to be It doesn't matter what I am or how I'm made, I can be what I want to be. Now, I I want to be careful and I, I want to make sure that we acknowledge that there is agency. God has agency in our lives. He has expressive individualism for you in the context of himself, but not the way our culture defines it. He wants you to be you. He made you to be you, not to be somebody else, but he did not make you to be anybody you want to be. And that's really hard. I, I've got three boys. I, how many of you have parents in the room? Hands up. Come on, be honest. Some of you are like, eh, I don't want to put that hand up. Yeah, yes. <laughs> if you're a parent in the room, you have these desires and aspirations for your child. And, and I would say, my judgment call, so this is me being judgy, but I would say if you're a really good parent, you're the parent that's like, whatever you want to be. And yet at the end, that narrative, I mean, we, we buy into it even in the church. And it's not true. It's not whatever you want to be. It's whatever God wants you to be. And God's got a plan, and he's got a purpose, and he has a way. I need to be careful to make sure that I'm co- cooperating with him in that. I don't need to tell God. I've checked. God doesn't need my advice. He's been very clear on that. <laughs> Often too many times. Um, but I want to also check. So if we can go to the next slide. I don't know if you saw this, but in, in just two minutes... So I got this screenshot last night and then I got it from my iPhone so I was airdropping it to my Mac and I was like, I'll just screenshot it on my Mac so I went back to my Mac and within just two minutes of that that interchange, this this post that this person has put out there, this five million person followed man has gone up over a thousand posts. I haven't checked this morning. I should have. I'm sure it'll be in the tens of thousands. People are listening to the voices that tell them to be who they want to be. And I believe that we need to focus on what God says. And what God says is completely different. God has a completely different narrative for us. And before we go into taking apart our passage and and, and getting through our points, which we'll do in a minute, I I wanna take us back actually to the Old Testament. Because I'm a big believer that, that we should listen to people wiser than us. And one of my favorite people to listen to that's much wiser than me is Solomon. What I like about Solomon is is for those of you who who maybe you're on a faith journey and you're not here with us yet and you're not really sure, there's no one who argues that he was a historical figure and that he was a wise, wise king. He was also a fabulously wealthy king and very influential. So wherever you're at on Solomon, the historical figure exists. and, And those of us in the community of Christ, we believe that he was a king appointed by God who was given wisdom sovereignly as a gift. And he said this fear of man will prove to be a snare but whoever trusts the lord is kept safe and i love that because what that really says is that not just those men man being human but also this man i don't need to worry about my opinion and to be honest god bless you i love you i need encouragement and rebuking but i don't need to worry about your opinions either i need to worry about what god says that's what matters So let's spend some time looking this morning at what God says, because God tells us a new story. He tells us where we were, and he tells us where we're going and who we want to be. The old story of of I can be whoever I want to be, and I can do whatever I want to do, is not your story. This is our story. The first thing I want to point out is, is that we were dead and deceived. Everybody say dead and deceived. Yeah, it's not a good condition. And and the the Bible tells us this in, in Ephesians 2, 1 through 13. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. I want to be very clear. That's not a positive place to be. That's not an iffy statement. That's not like, oh, well, if you look in Greek, what it really meant was kind of like sleeping. No, it means dead. It means that it is corrupt. It is filthy. It smells bad. It's offensive. Nobody wants to be around death. It's not like Happyville. We're not doing that. That's not a good place to be in your transgressions, and your sins, in which you used to live. All of you used to live this way. I used to live this way when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And I emphasize that because I want you to remember that we are in a spiritual battle. We are opposing opposite forces. There is an enemy who is here to kill, steal, and destroy. And it is by Jesus' power alone that we overcome that. Amen? And you need to remember that if there is an enemy... Then when you're looking at your life and you're going, yeah, but I, I did the Jesus stuff and I'm following it, I'm in the small group and things are supposed to be getting better. They don't sometimes. And that's really hard news. I, I, I was listening to a sermon last night from a, a pastor uh, in the United States, news new song, uh, his name is Dave Gibbons. And he brought a woman on stage who began to tell her story and she was sharing her testimony. And she talked about traveling to the hospital on Thanksgiving night uh, in 2019 And her daughter had a heart attack and died. She was two years old. Firstborn child. Now you're waiting, right? You're waiting. You're like, oh yeah, but then they prayed. And God did something and he brought her back, right? And this mother was a devout Christian and she prayed and she was hoping and she was pushing. And the little girl died. Now she went on to talk about what God brought out of that. But, but I, I want to be really clear that we were dead and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, he's going to attack us in ways that will attack our families, that will attack our hearts, that will attack our jobs, and will attack our friendships. And God is asking you in the middle of that to still stand firm. He is not a nice player, this ruler of the air. He's on attack. But praise Jesus, we went. Yeah. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us, So you've been a Christian a long time, we're still part of all of us. All of us used to live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I told you about that word wrath. I actually looked that up and I I love the context of this. I I get the best image I could find, but the the actual literal translation of that Greek term is of like a, a piece of fruit that is so full with juice it's ready to just pop and burst. You know, you've you've ever had that little orange, the easy peeler, and you're like, they are such liars. This is not easy to peel. Then it goes everywhere. That's that image that God has of his wrath. It's just ready to burn out on sin and on transgression. He cannot stand it. But he didn't leave us in that condition. He didn't leave us in that condition. How terrible would that be? So our new story, and I I scratch that out, we were dead and deceived, but we're not. If you know Jesus, if you have a personal relationship with the God who made the universe, then you are alive and seated. Everybody say, "Alive alive and seated. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. In other words, you are still dead, and he made you alive. He looked at you, and he saved you, even though you had that stuff inside you, even though I have that stuff inside me. And it is by grace that you have been said, and this is what I love, and God raised us up, raised past tense, but it's a past continuous tense. He raised us up. He didn't raise us up and then drop us. He raised us up and seated us with him, Jesus, in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who might not remember your tenses, it might have been a long time since school. I go to school every day, you probably don't, that's okay. But I wanted to remind you what the present perfect tense is. Yeah, present perfect, you're like, no, not English. <laughs> Some of you are going, this isn't even my first language. This is, I, I understand, so let me explain the present perfect tense. When do we use the present perfect tense? Typically, we use the present perfect tense to indicate something that happened in the past, but continues. For example, I have waited for two hours which means I'm at the dentist or at the GP, and I have waited for two hours, which means I'm still waiting, right? They have lived here all their lives. They didn't stop living there, we're still living here. So, so that takes us really to this, this idea that Andy introduced again, and he's talked about this a number of times, but on Vision Sunday, we talked about this now, but this not yet. We are seated, we have been raised. We are raised and seated. We are in the heavenly realms right now, sitting with Jesus. We're victorious. We've already won. And yet we've not yet won. It's our now, but are not quite yet. Raised and seated. And probably my favorite, we're saved by grace. I love that we're saved by grace because I constantly feel like I have to earn the grace that I've been given. And if I'm alone in this, then there's a bunch of liars in the room. You know, come on. When was the last time you didn't do your quiet time? Maybe it was like this month, and 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 you know that you've oh, I'm bad. I, I didn't do my quiet time. Oh, I haven't been to church in a while. Oh, Beth and she prayed for the offering, Pfft, offering. Like I, I offer you my paper clips. And we feel like we have to do something before we can come back to church. I need to, I need to clean up a little bit. I need to freshen up spiritually inside. I got to change things. And God says no. No, this is by grace you've been saved. I've given you a gift while you were still dead, while you were still a mess. I didn't say clean up first, do these ten things, then come on in through the doors. I took you right where you were, and I saved you by grace. Now, it's important in this verse. It is by grace through faith. So it isn't just this amazing gift that God gives. We have to accept it. That's how a gift works. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift from God not by works so that no one can boast. So you very clearly have been given a gift and you have to choose to accept it. And if you're at a point in your life right now, if you're checking us out, if you're online, if you're just here because somebody made you come or you thought, I'm going to try, I'm going to check it out, you may not have received this gift. And to receive the gift, you have to take it. You have to say, I accept that grace that's been given to me. And I want to move on that. I, I don't know what that means for my life. I don't know how it's going to change. Jason says it's going to be hard. I'm not sure if I'm in for that. But by God's power and grace, you are. And for me, that really took us to, to the last thing we have to do. I tried so hard, I wanted to come up with like, some really catchy things to say, some different fun points, you know, a bunch of L's, a bunch of S's. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I had to pa- let the passage speak for itself. And it finished with a standing firm. And, and, and the work that we have to do in, in the standing firm is found in verse 10. And perhaps this is the, the best thing I can tell you this morning. God creates us, and this is in the message translation, but it says, God creates us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. See, those three cultural narratives, they tell you you can be whatever you want and that nothing matters and that your own truth is all all that matters. And God says, no, I'm what matters. I wrote you, I made the truth, and I'm telling you who you are going to be. And most importantly, he says that I know you don't feel seen. I know you might not feel like you have anything that matters, but I have work for you. And I couldn't think of any better example than this than my grandfather I love my grandfather, he's 95 now, I think 96, I mean he's just, he's, I don't know when, he's, he's going forever, he's an amazing man. And when I was about 13 years old, he took me out and we had to dig a trench. Now uh, it was an irrigation trench going from the front of their property to the back of their property, and it had to be about a, a meter wide and about a meter deep. And so my brother and I started and it was a meter wide and a meter deep, and about 25 feet on, it was about a shovel wide and two shovels deep. By the end, it was like we just kind of scratched the ground. We came in, um, and we told my grandfather we are done. He said, you're done. And we said, yeah, we're done. I'd never heard my grandfather swear before that day. Um, my grandfather came out, and he said, you, you never do a half. Uh, you, can kind of, you can kind of fill that part in there, but yeah. He said, you never do half of a job. And he said, because you leave twice as much work for another man. And he picked up the shovel, and my, at that time, uh, 65-year-old grandfather finished the trench on his own. And I'd never felt more ashamed or, like, kind of just wrong. Like, he had this work for me to do, and I didn't do it. And that in stark contrast to to the next summer when we're baling hay, and my grandfather introduced me to my very first malted beverage. Um, and I, I spent the summer baling hay, 80-pound bales of hay. And we had to move an entire lorry full of hay off and into the barn. And I'd never done that before, and I was uh, grade eight, which is here year nine, so I'm kind of a, a, an absolute wimp, and I'm like, ooh, and my grandfather's like And at the end, he was just proud of me because I'd done good work with my grandfather that day. And those moments stand out. Because there's that work that he had for me and when I do that work well, I just feel like, yeah, this is what I needed to be doing. So we see that and we're like, oh, but God's going to tell me what I have to do and he's got this thing. He has your gifts, your abilities, your creation of you in mind and he purposed work based on that, not because he needs you, because he wants you. My grandfather wanted me. God wants you and he has this handiwork for you to do today. So let me finish with this thought. C.S. Lewis said that it, Christianity of false is of no importance. And if true, it's of infinite importance. The story that God has in the Bible is either of absolutely no import at all, or it is everything. I hope that today you can tell yourself a new story, that you can begin to look at the story that God has about you, and that you will find in that the ability to stand firm, to dig in, to know that you are seen and that God has a plan, a purpose, and work ahead for you, even in the middle of the mess. Amen. Amen.
1: So that was rich, and I would love to, because it, it would feel rude not to have a moment where, if anybody is here that hasn't accepted the free gift of Jesus for themselves that we didn't have a moment where you could do that and actually for all of us I know many of us here gave our lives to Jesus like sometimes many many years ago but it can be helpful for us just to like take a moment and say Jesus thank you like I'm taking hold of the grace by faith but I'm still incredibly grateful that it's free and I don't get to earn it and so for all of us I would just encourage us in this moment to be thankful If you're already a follower of Jesus, you'd say, I'm grateful I don't have to earn it. Mm. But for others here, you might be saying, well, I've never accepted that gift for myself. So can I just invite us to bow our heads just for a moment? I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. And if this is a prayer for you today, because you've never said yes to Jesus before and accepted his free gift of life, then would you just make this prayer your own in this moment? jesus thank you that you have written a new story for me jesus i recognize that without you i am dead and deceived not a little bit dead but fully and jesus i'm sorry that i've kept going my own way but jesus i hear your offer of life and your offer of a new story and forgiveness and hope and purpose. And Jesus, I, I hear and I acknowledge today that it is free, but I need to take hold of it. And so, Jesus, I'm holding my hands out and I'm taking hold of your amazing grace for myself. I'm saying yes for myself in this moment. Jesus, knowing that as I do that, I get a new story. I'm raised with Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places. My life has changed direction. And so Jesus as I open my heart to you. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and enable me to live out this new story? If you've prayed that with me just now for the first time, you just look up and catch my eye. Everybody else has got their eyes and heads bowed. But just look up and catch my eye because I want you to know that this moment was real for you. Um, And I'd love us just to connect after the service this morning. (laughs)